Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Howdy, Watchers, it's Dan, and thank you for joining us another episode of the Watcher K Please podcast. It's a little surreal that we're already at 82 episodes. Thanks for sticking with us. So as many have gathered from the past few archive episodes, we're winding down the podcast for the time being. Essentially, we've all got a lot of stuff going on in our lives outside of the pod, and the logistics and production for a weekly podcast is actually quite a bit of work, so we're going to give the podcast a Schrodinger's goodbye. We might come back at some point, but for now, we're calling it a day on the podcast. However, we had all had a bunch of stuff on our list left to pitch, so as part of a goodbye for now, we decided to take a note from the holy trinity of Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, and Sandra Bullock, and turn this podcast into an L.A. County bus where we have a couple of minutes to pitch discuss the rest of our shows and movies on our list, or the pod explodes. In short, there's a curve up ahead. I'm going to speed it up. As Jack tells Annie, relationships based on intense experiences will never work, so I hope this MPH, mass pitches per hour, isn't so. We're going to try posting a full list of movies we pitch on these episodes on our website, watchokplease.com, in case one of our pitches does move you to check one of the shows or movies out. Even though this is the end for now, if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or just give us a shout out on your social media pages. Also, if you subscribe, you'll get a heads up if we do release anything in the future. If you have a show or movie you want us to watch that might coax us out of a semi-retirement, Leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash watchokplease, which will redirect you to the new home at Spotify for Podcasters. Before we start the episode, I just thank a bunch of folks who supported us. First of all, my biggest thanks to my wife for tolerating my podcast workload as well as all the weirdness that went along. Next, I want to give mad props to my co-hosts, Nyan, Jason, and Scott for taking this crazy bus ride with me. Thanks and shoutouts also go to Callisto and the Everyday Geeks Discord crew, Quentin and all the members of the community and the various extended Discord communities that tolerated my self-promotion, and also our various guest pitches from our family, friends, and extended peeps through social media. I'm still around everywhere as Dan on tap, so if you want to hit me up, feel free to do so. I love to talk anime, sci-fi, as well as beer, wine, and spirits. All right, tell me again, watchers, why did I take this job? It wasn't for the gold watch and a tiny pension. It's for the love of media entertainment. Let's speed it up now! It's a curve ahead. I'm gonna speed it up. I can jump the track. Did you see The Northmen? Do you like Vikings or other Norse-related material? If so, Villain Saga might be a good choice if you're trying to branch off into a more seinen anime. Seinen anime, for those of you who are not familiar with the shonen, shoujo, etc. classifications of anime, but sho means young, jo means girl, nen means male, and then seinen basically is kind of driven for older males. So these tend to be a little bit more, uh, have adult themes, some violence, items of uh, more possibly sexual nature, but not usually branching off into actual, you know, adult entertainment, so to speak. And I think that this is a great way to kind of go into that, explore that portion of anime. The story has tremendous character development, amazing action, and is partly rooted in actual historical events. So you get to learn all about the the, the crazy, warring nature of the time period around the year 1000. And it this season is currently airing on Netflix and Crunchyroll. This is a great time to catch up on one of these latest offerings from MAPPA, which is an excellent studio out there. Try episodes one through three. So this is your standard anime length, 20 minutes or so. So you can get easy to catch three to kind of get a feel to see whether or not this is right for you. How much fan service are we talking? Because I think that's all we know about anime. 
<laughs> between Jason and I, like I kind of know stuff, but all I understand is fan service. Definitely more on the on the on the, say on the violence side and the gore side than there is items of a sexual nature. Some stuff kind of happens. It's implied that it happens off screen because obviously you know when people are uh, conquerors or they're invading someplace, it, it's pretty obvious what they do. You kill all the fighting pe- people that can fight basically and they take the women and they sell them off as slaves and the kids off as slaves or they use them for their own devious nature if you will that's kind of what they did back then so you know that marvel properties were not going to be neglected off of my list in this one dan stevens portrays an omega level mutant in his tripodelic approach to his origin story which weaves psychological with the metaphysical and beyond i am of course talking about legion this is available on Hulu and FX. It runs an hour long or so, so you can try the first two episodes. But there's so much more this I want to talk about. Aubrey Plaza is in this and is, is amazing. So you can get her fix as well as the rest of the amazing cast that goes along for the wild ride. And if you think you've seen all things Marvel, for those of you who have been with us for the ride, you may have, you may have caught Hellstrom from my previous pitch. But I think that this time around, this is going to be kind of a much deeper dive into kind of the beyond just kind of the normal mcu formula so I, this is this is one i definitely definitely recommend you know make time for this sit down with this let this wrap around your brain and see where it takes you okay so i actually this was on my list but and so I, i'm kind of looking forward to actually maybe finally getting around to checking it out and having i ended up reading x-men comics for a little bit which i understand is kind of based off of and i didn't realize how much of a soap opera and ridiculous stupidly complicated those series got like with the claremont eras so it sounds like this might be in that in that realm i don't know jason what do you what do you think well, I was always a big X-Men fan. That was like literally the only comic book I read. X-Men, X-Force, you know, all the X's. I feel like that was like peak 90s comic book era. So I'm actually kind of curious to go see this. Like how close to it is this to the X-Men? Or is it sort of more of a spinoff that, you know, has nothing to do with it? Tangential. I like tangents. That's mathematical. Free tangents for everybody. Okay, perfect. You get a tangent. You get a tangent. <laughs> no, that sounds cool. And I, uh, you know, I always like the, you know, with X Men, you would always have the, yeah, I don't know. They'd be like all these characters. There'd be like a lot of, say, Superman or Batman, where it's all just an archetype. You know, with X Men, you would have all these, you know, different characters and personalities. And as you described it, Nye, kind of a soap opera. So is Legion kind of like that? Yeah, yeah, it definitely definitely is. It 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 flares more to I say the the dramatic and the conflict that you're seeing on screen is not just what's happening in between characters, but happens within the characters' own minds as well, which is like why I love this series so much. Now, when you're thinking about all the things I could be pitching, I wasn't going to let DC not get represented either. Much how I drew a Pennyworth. Gotham is a Bruno Heller creation fast forwards to Bruce Wayne in his early teenage years, and we witness a myriad of events and characters that plays a large role not only in Bruce's life, but the development of Gotham into the dreary metropolis that we have come to know via other DC properties. Right now, this is available on Netflix, it originally aired on Fox, and I think you should give the first two episodes a bat. But 
there and but I have to say that the cast list is also pretty amazing. You might see some familiar faces and some new ones that you that might might not be have expecting. So definitely give this one give this one a good good shot. I, I enjoyed Pennyworth for what I what I saw of it after the pitch. So I and was curious about this. But all I remember from the commercials is Jada Pinkett Smith saying she feels a chill, and it seemed like inc- incredibly cheesy. But I think I might be able to to give this a little bit of a shot, especially since I like Pennyworth. Where is this? Maybe I missed when you just said that. Like where? Where? It's currently available on Netflix. Okay. But originally aired on Fox, right? Like it was a broadcast. Right. Yeah. And if I remember, Ben Foster's in it. If I remember, or am I thinking of a, a different Ben? Ben McKenzie. Oh, McKenzie. Please, right. he plays Pennyworth. Got it. Got it. Okay. He, play, he plays Gordon. Sorry, I got confused. Because interestingly enough, Sean Pertwee actually plays Pennyworth. I'm sorry, I got the na- the, the characters, the actors name mixed up my head. Sean Pertwee and Sean Pertwee is actually famous, more famous because of his lineage. His, I believe it's his his father was John Pertwee, who played one of the doctors in Doctor Who. So I really, I I have a secret campaign that is going on in my mind that we should be getting him to come back and join Doctor Who to play the part that his father played way back when. I really want this to happen as a side note. Is there a lot of overlap with any of the actors between like other DC projects or is it just kind of its own standalone thing? No, it's kind of more of a standalone. It's not really connected in so many ways as it, you know, some other DC properties might have. So you, I think a lot of the ca- the casting is pretty much unique to that. And I, I think some of the casting was, was actually very well done, I think. Nice. Does the penguin look like a penguin? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He actually looks. A, he actually looks a little like, little like different. And 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 I think that you know, and it's even interesting because you actually, if you watch long enough, you get to meet the penguin's father, and it, he's played by a very interesting uh, actor you might not expect. So now I know both Nyan and Jason have spent a lot of time at bars, both with and without me. We also have known our fair share of cool bartenders from Roger at Fitzgerald's and beyond. Sometimes you have a unique experience, which combines not only the ambiance of the establishment, but the smell, taste, and je ne sais quoi on all folds of that into your life, into that singular moment. Now, this anime, Bartender, explores that concept through each episode and is masterful in its layering and mixing of the material, pun intended. Available via Amazon Prime is a paid option, so the first three episodes are what you'd want to check out, but I'm pretty certain that the whole series would be very much entertaining, which I believe is 10 episodes long. So is it, like, when you say anime, is it just, like, you know, like, a drama, or is there, like, guns and violence and women with big animated boobs, like all the other animes I've seen? It's actually very subdued. So it takes place in kind of a in a bar that's kind of nondescript. It's kind of a little like just barely lit, and it, you kind of go down the stairs. You kind of go, go in there, and again, and the, and the bartender is kind of like the 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 one of the best in the world. But he the, no, he doesn't advertise that. He doesn't talk himself up like that. So it's a very interesting way approach. So it's it's definitely more subdued, and you do get a little bit of backstory from some of the characters that are at the bar, but it's not really bombastic, action-packed. It's really more about basically the experience of being at the bar and having the perfect drink at the perfect time in your life. Why have you been hiding the anime about drinking? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you just pitch this from the start? This sounds great. Paid because it's paid only. That's why okay, Amazon. Fair right. enough. I, did, I, I pay didn't for want to next. Happy. I'll pay for this. Like that's. 
Honestly, I love a good bartender. And, you know, is there does the bartender ever arm wrestle anyone like Roger Fitzgerald's? No, unfortunately, no. That, okay. No, but but I, I, I kind of wish I could go to this bar if it existed. Sounds this awesome. sounds like this sounds like a gateway anime. You know, they... <laughs> yeah. yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is where now this this is where Jason starts his anime addiction, which is going to be very exciting. Switches out all the posters on his wall, the anime posters. I can't wait for this. Um... <laughs> That that'll be the thing that finally gets my kids to stop watching anime. <laughs> Perfect, Pro- solving problems on a podcast. Yeah, it's the same strategy I did with Facebook. <laughs> the day Facebook died was the day I joined. Sometimes a movie doesn't have to have copious amounts of dialogue to be beautiful and captivating. Alpha, available via Amazon Prime as a paid option, chronicles the relationship of a young boy and a wolf, much like many pieces of folklore and story we have read, heard, or seen before in other media. Directed by Alan Hughes of the Hughes Brothers, Menace of Society, and Book of Eli, I think this piece is definitely a little out of my normal genre zone, and I hope that you will both give it a shot at well at some point. Okay, so I've actually seen the promo for this whenever it came out, and it I had no clue what it was about. I'm like, okay, this guy's like hanging out with a wolf. I never would have guessed it was directed by one of the Hughes brothers. Seriously? See, exactly. I, I was, again, I, 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 this is another recommendation that I saw a la uh, the Benedict Cumberbatch movie that we, we also pitched earlier. I saw this as part of the one of the Everyday Geeks movie nights, like kind of the, you know, mm-hmm. Classics you don't know until because you've never seen them before, kind of thing. And so, yeah, this is definitely one that um, that was totally off my radar. But at the same time, when I saw it, I had it. It even though you know it just kind of flowed for me. And again, I didn't realize that you know I I needed or wanted to see something like this. But again, I, I definitely enjoyed myself tremendously watching it. So, do you promise it's not bad? I wasn't like just looking at because it, it was. No, but I'm serious. Like, if you've seen the promo, you're like, is this a good movie or is this like, I don't know. I, I think that I think that you know, there this movie I think it is basically they they shot it in you know IRL. There's no there's no sets. There's no nothing. So I think that that mm. within itself kind of went a long way because you get to see the natural landscape and the whole nine yards as it relates to where they're at uh, in human history. Huh. I, I this has totally not been on my radar at all. So. I'm kind of curious, and it doesn't sound like a Hughes Brothers movie at all, as you, as you noted. This this is wild. Yeah, it was shocking to me. My Bologna. <laughs> I know you have both heard the words of this and many a Weird Al song. In Weird, this alternate telling of Weird Al's biography, Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, expelly disarms us with a humorous and fun portrayal of this legendary parodist, accordion player, and songwriter. Many a familiar face you, will you also see as well amongst the cast. I hope you love this as much as I love Rocky Road. I've been wanting to see this. I just keep not getting around to it because on top of Radcliffe, Quinta Brunson's in it. I love. Mm. Does she play Oprah? Am I am I crazy? Wh- I think so, I th- yeah. I'm okay. trying to remember where she was at, yeah. And I, oh, she'd make a good Oprah. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> And 
I don't know. I grew up on Weird Al stuff. My my mom still thinks I love Weird Al like obsessively because <laughs> that's what I enjoyed when I was a kid. So every once in a while, she'll just bring it up and I'll be like, I don't have that tape anymore. Also, tapes aren't a thing. But thanks. <laughs> I appreciate your interest in my interests. Well, did, did she also think you have uh, an unhealthy fascination with the fat boy still? Oh, no, I think I died with my father. So um, okay. <laughs> the fat boys were really my father's thing. He really loved okay. the fat boys so much. <laughs> It's very strange. I don't understand why. If you hadn't already seen it like 10 times, I would have pitched disorderlies. That's fair. Yeah, I know. Seen it way too many times. <laughs> I just learned something about your dad, but it totally makes sense knowing him. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, this is right now, as this the tour of this recording, it is available for free via Roku TV. Really? We can watch that because it just it wasn't that old, right? It sort of came yeah. out pretty recently. Last last year. Just came out last year. Perfect. I, I think I may actually see this one. Yeah. It seems like Roku's not charging for anything for a little while until they get people hooked because they're pulling mm. in content and just making it freely available. I don't, but I don't know if I don't know if it's ad driven or not. I just haven't checked it out because if it's just ad driven and they're creating new content that's ad driven, maybe that makes more sense. There, there were a couple like I think breaks at the beginning and the and, and, and maybe in the end and, and towards the middle maybe I think there's they were they're pretty sparse though, honestly. So it was very easy to watch all of it. I watched all of this uh, when I, I wasn't feeling it was. I watched it over uh, Thanksgiving weekend, I believe. I don't know what it is about Weird Al, but there's just something so endearing about how totally like goofy and on brand he is at all times. That is just like so engaging and so addictive. I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to this actually a lot. Yeah, same here. You're probably not surprised that a great many items in my list to pitch are anime. Jason was not in love with the animation style of Black Lagoon, so I wanted to go to a similar time period to show some major differences that exist. As I mentioned in the feedback from Black Lagoon, movies and OVAs, original video animations, generally have more budget. But this one is a breakout piece from the director Makoto Shinkai, and this is five centimeters per second. This story, in my opinion, pieces together a different yet pretty animation style coupled with a time-lapse development of the main character, which is a really fresh approach when it came out originally. It's also only 63 minutes in runtime, so you can totally knock this out even on a school night. Right now, this is a paid feature on Amazon Prime, but a new release is being remastered, so I bet it'll be available on another platform in the very near future. Will this cause us to finally convert to the metric system in the U.S. if we all watch it? <laughs> I wish. I mean, if we can just catch up to the rest of the world on that, I think we might have a chance. Right now, I'm somewhat skeptical. I'm so excited that you guys are on the same page as me on the metric system. We should all be on it. Why are we not on the metric system, people? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. I think it's. I think it's called free dumb. <laughs> yeah. All right, so talking about anime again. So, like, what's this uh, about? Like, what's the story? Like, is it is it more action? Is it? It's just it's way more basically kind of like plucked from reality. I guess I'll call it. It follows a young male character basically, and again, it's, it's time lapse of him basically becoming an adult and basically encountering all the the things that happened during the course of this. And I think it's in his relation in his relationships with you know other people in the world. And I think it's really captivating in that regard. It sounds a little bit more art house than, you know, your average anime. Is that a fair generalization? A lot of Makoto Shinkai pieces generally are. And, and, then, and some of them are very similar, I guess, in thematics and nature, I think, in that regard. But almost everything he makes is definitely worth a watch, in my opinion. He's kind of like one of those names up there that kind of, you know, he, this kind of 
broke him out and he's since made about like i think four or five other movies that have all done very well i mean he's not yet like hayao miyazaki level of epicness yet but again he's i think he could very well be on his way and he's honestly he's only about like six or seven years older than us that's weird i always get creeped out when i realize how old people are nowadays <laughs> and, and the things that they're doing <laughs> Anime? Check. Time travel? Check. Zany characters? Check. When Steins Gate first dropped, I didn't know what to think at first. While some of the scenes may be whimsical or comedic in nature, the very real consequences of the actions by the cast of characters turns into a much different storyline. This adaptation of a visual novel available via Hulu is definitely a wild ride that might just have enough juice to suck you in during the first three episodes. In my mind, we're all bad scientists at heart. Am I right? Um, maybe Rick. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. We can't do any <laughs> jokes anymore, can we? <laughs> you son of a bitch! I'm in. <laughs> God, I hate Justin Roiland. It's ruined my life. But okay, so with time travel, well, he's, he's, he's actually allegedly ruined other people's lives too. As pro- probably worse, as it turns out, much worse than mine. So many. We've done a lot. Of, so much time travel stuff on this podcast. To the point where I had a running gag about Donald P. Belisario and, and Quantum Leap. So <laughs> I'm glad you're bringing that back. And that might be enough to, to keep me interested on this one. If we ever, you know, do resurrect things down the line, I do have to have a Donald P. Belisario icon of sorts in the Discord at some point. That was uh, that was like the first, I think the first pitch you guys did was uh, time travel, wasn't it? Yes. Um, dark. It was dark, which is, I mean, to me, that's the... The iconic time or the perfection of time travel movies. So Steins Gate, what, like, so you're saying it's, what do you mean by whimsical? You're telling me it's whimsical. What does that mean? Again, it starts off as whimsical because it kind of eases you into the story to get to know certain characters, basically. But again, over time, it just gets darker and darker and darker. Mm. To a point at the very end, it's basically like it really starts messing with your mind a little bit. I, I wouldn't say t- it would, it, it's not as crazy out there as dark was, I guess when I first started it, but I think that it, it definitely develops to that point almost. This Netflix shorts compilation is now already in its third season. I'm still in the middle of season two, but I know season three will be worth it as well. I'm of course talking about love, death and robots. What I like about shorts compilations like this is that it allows you to take in a range of approaches to the theme of the content, which in this case obviously matches the uh, items in the title. I think this is a mix of cyberpunk, techno future, and how society and humanity deals with with these concepts of love, death, and also robots. Probably hit probably half of the first season of the sitting because again the run times are kind of a little bit all over the place. I mean, some are like I think one is like super like long, like thirty four minutes, but most of them are they're usually run between five and like 15 minutes on average. So I think, but I really like it this because, you know, you can take it in little bits and pieces. You don't have to kind of sit through all of it in a single sitting. This show has the best title. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> kind of covers all the bases. <laughs> and I think I, it's been on my radar. It's, it's an anthology series, right? So it's sort right. of just, it, every everything just stand, stands alone. It's on, you can hop in and out. Exactly. Does it matter the order? I was with those anthology series. I always wonder doesn't really matter but i think they like i think that for first season like the, the long one i was talking about is is the very last one so they kind of build up you know your kind of your 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 idea and your tolerance i guess for things 
over time. So you, they start off on the, you know a, a little bit of the short side, and again, and the animation quality is like is, is great, but the animation style is very different from one one to the next. It's very interesting. Oh, so it's it's animated. Yep. Oh. There's a couple that they actually I think they, they actually use people as and they did modeling with people. There's a couple that use that technique as opposed to just strictly animation. Mm. Venn diagram. See where see where it links up. <laughs> Love death and robots. Yeah, I guess that, that's an intersection. What what would be the core of a love, death, and robot Venn diagram? What goes right in the middle there? Is it Elon Musk? GBT? No, it's ChatGBT. You're right. Oh my god, hundred percent. Oh god, it's going to kill us all. Yes. Honestly, if they start using ChatGPT to to direct airport traffic. I think we're done. And I, I, I could see someone thinking that's a good idea. Yeah. And, and who knows? They may call it Skynet. Great. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> I know Jason has definitely eaten at David Chang establishments, and I'm sure Nine is also familiar with the Momofuku food empire. This David Chang Netflix series, Ugly Delicious, Focus on specific food or food areas and is a mix of food, travel, and history in one show. So the first two episodes are pizza and tacos, respectively. So I think it's a great place to start in that regard. And so they run, you know, just under an hour. So it gives you enough, enough and time. And stop. To you said pizza and tacos. We're, we're, <laughs> we're in. We're in. <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, again, I mean, it's also because he, he takes a lot of, you know, other culinary and other celebrities that will kind of stop on by along the route of this as well. So it's kind of fun to see how he interacts in that environment in that, in that regard. But and I think that it's kind of a little more street level, I would say, and a little like not as like produced as a chef's table was. But I think that makes it very accessible, regardless of your interest in food or your you know pedigree and how many restaurants you've been to in your lifetime. So Momofoku, I, I used to believe I haven't been there, unfortunately, in many years, but that was literally my favorite restaurant on planet Earth. Oh, wow. I find David Chang like an incredibly engaging and entertaining host. So like literally the fact that you have given us a show that has him as host, you've got me intrigued. I'm curious. This one kept popping up and man, I'm, I like I said before, pizza and tacos. I have to give it a shot. Yeah. So is, is, would you say, I know this is kind of kind of niche, but would you say, lick it up, baby? <laughs> that is incredibly niche and very inappropriate. <laughs> in all, in all, in all serious, it'd be, it'd be, it's, just, it's fun to eat it up. So Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, and you're like, with the loss of Anthony Bourdain, I'm kind of looking for someone to fill that hole, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So, because no That's reservations. <laughs> that is what she said. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Phrasing. Ah, fun. Well, have fun with the explicit tag on this one. Yes. So, <laughs> but yeah, honestly, like I, I love no reservations. This kind of feels like a bit maybe less heady, more street level, as you noted. And David Chang's great. You're right, Jason. He he's, he is really engaging. Even though. I only have a short time for this pitch. I feel that we have to put in the maximum effort for this Ryan Reynolds Netflix feature. I'm, of course, talking about The Atom Project. So time travel, science fiction, back again. Surprise, surprise. 
But I think that there is a touching element to the story mixed in with all the humor and the special effects that are there. So in my mind, I think that that's probably to break open some aviation gin and have a good time with this, I would say, feel good and almost family flick. So Van Wilder time travels while drunk on aviation gin. But this is family friendly, so I don't I'll probably watch it because I like Ryan Reynolds. I'm never, I mean, I'm not, I'll, he's great. I love him. I think that there is, there, there is a, a great, like a, there's a, I don't want to go too into it because I want to, I don't want to kind of, you know, elite, like let loose too much on this, but yeah, I, there, there is a deep family element in this, in this movie. So, but you'll have to kind of see it to understand what I mean by that. And I don't mean Dominic Toretto family. I just mean like actual. <laughs> family, so. Not Fast and Furious, not Olive Garden, none of that. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Ryan Reynolds would actually make a good addition to those fast movies. They got everybody else in there. That's yeah, true. That's a really good point. Why hasn't he been in one? Probably because he'll just do a better job than Vin Diesel. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Vin Diesel, like, no, no good actors anymore. He only wants the worst of the worst, so he can be the star. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I heard he was feuding with The Rock like the entire yeah. time on set. Yeah. Yep. Because The Rock became the star of the series and that wasn't working for him, supposedly. Yeah. Yeah. So this Adam project, I, I think I remember seeing a, a trailer for it. Like how, like, is it funny? Is it like a little funny? Is it more excitement? It definitely leans into more of like that situational Ryan Reynolds kind of humor in that regard for uh, the start. And then you kind of develop kind of these other emotional ties throughout kind of the, re- the remainder of the story. But there is some deeper, there's, there's some bigger action, you know, kind of sprinkled in and then very heavy towards the end. How on the like scale of zero to Deadpool, where does he fall in that spectrum? Um, I'd say, I'd say uh, probably right in the middle. Honestly, so he, like, he's he's funny, but he's not like you know violence funny. You know, he, he's not losing limbs and growing them back in that regard. So, <laughs> but you know, he, he does have a a bit of a mouth on him, but it's not like you know ex- crazy explicit. Like I said, it's more family esque. So this is it's it's a good you know it's one you can sit down with the family and not feel guilty about showing them things you don't want them to see. Guess what? I'm pitching something that is not sci-fi, comic-based, or anime. I know. It's it's just I'm shocked. I'm it's just totally shocking. But there's time travel, right? <laughs> no, I should I should I should have added that in my, in my notes there. No, I'm, I'm of course um talking about Prodigal Son. This is originally aired on Fox, is now is available I think I think it should be available on Hulu still at the, at the time of this recording. But it's shocking. Kind of like dealing with the fact that your dad, Michael Sheen, is a serial killer. So the story follows his son as a criminal profiler. And he goes through this kind of web of cases that somehow leads him back through and into his past trauma-filled childhood. I feel like this is an excellent cast. Um, I think there is um, some uh, witty dialogue in this, to be, to be sure. And I think that, you know, these are generally these are shorter episodes for the most part. So you probably check out the first couple in that regard. But I think that this is, you know, it had uh, it had two. Se- I believe it had two seasons, actually. Uh, the first season was pretty tight, in my opinion. And I think that you probably definitely enjoyed that for sure. But I, th- I thought I thought it was a pretty wild ride. Kate got into this show, so I guess I should give it a shot. She she really seemed to enjoy it. Yeah, 
I don't know what something put me off about it in the trailer, but Michael, I didn't, I don't know why I didn't put it together. Michael Sheen was involved. He's great. So I'd be open to checking that out. It's, it was, I think it's bearded Michael Sheen. So yeah, he's uh, recognized it's bearded Michael Sheen. It. That's correct. Yeah. He's bearded. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely, definitely has, he's taken on that, you know, that, that uh, Papa vibe. So, so it's mm. serial killer Papa kind of thing. Yeah. And, and and of course, there's th- there's three words I forgot to mention. It was uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. Oh, okay. The, the original Young Gun himself. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it sounds a little like La Monte, the French series that w- was on Netflix when they started doing originals, like right at the beginning of streaming. Where I didn't see that. Yeah, I, it sounds similar because except the guy's mother was a serial killer. Interesting, but I don't know if there's crossover there. Hmm, I'll think about that one. Hmm. Guess what? It's time for another food show. This one, The Final Table, has just a splash of the chef backstories, but focuses more on an international competition to be at the final table. So even if you're unfamiliar with you know, the judges or contestants, I think that you also learn a lot through this. You learn about different food cultures, techniques, and much more. And I, I think that it's a little bit different than, say, other food competition shows a la Top Chef, or if you're going more gritty like Hell's Kitchen with Gordon Ramsay, it's a little more refined than the, than, than, than the latter. And it's not super, like, the, the shooting is a little more fluid, I'd say. This is not this, less of this in and out, constant motion kind of thing. It focuses a lot on the fluidity and, and the ambiance of, of the competition and the food itself as well. So I think you should give the first two episodes a taste on Netflix to see if your entertainment palette is peaked. You can't help yourself, can you, Dan? I can't. <laughs> I'm still trying to develop a vaccine for da- dad jokes because this is killing our country. <laughs> Honestly, like it's worse than COVID. I actually heard a great set of puns commenting on it was actually I, uh, an intellectual, intellectual property, a copyright issue with Jack Daniels and uh, some dog toys. But I'll have to talk about that another time. It sounds interesting. I like a good cooking competition. So I get, and I'm, you know, I will get on the reality show bandwagon pretty regularly. So this could be kind of fun. So is it more like reality show or is it a competition? It's more like a, I would say it's more of a competition, I'd say. Okay. Jamie Foxx? in a sci-fi movie on Netflix? Why not? See, this movie, Project Power, is all about a pill that gives the users unpredictable superpowers. And basically, it's how Jamie Foxx, his character, and another go on a quest to basically get this off the streets and you know, potentially off the hands of you know younger kids and whatnot. So there's action, there's intrigue, and there's also some really random casting choices that what I wasn't expecting. Machine Gun Kelly and YouTuber Casey Neistat. Oh, interesting mix uh which is actually at a decently fast pace so you can actually pretty much breeze this movie fairly quickly i think so i don't believe you when you say this is an actual movie i'm pretty sure halfway through jamie fox is going to put a suit on and then go to the mgm casino and start (laughs) sports betting (laughs) literally literally i'm not making this up I was like, one of my kids was watching the, like, Spider-Man, whichever one, the 
the one where like Electro was in it. Yeah, with Jamie yeah. Fox. The the original one or the his return? Not. Oh, I think it was the return. Actually, it was in the the new Spider Man where oh, Electro. No way home. No way home because he comes back in that movie. Yeah, right. And literally, my kids were like, "Oh." It's that guy from all the football ads. <laughs> I'm like, that is just sad. That's so sad. But that that's who Jamie Foxx is to I mean, a whole generation. For, for, forget about forget about Ray. Forget about all these other. Oh, yeah. Can't you just you sit your kids on the couch and make them watch an entire marathon of In Living Color? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. They're, they're they're gonna like learn some things and get in deep trouble at school if they watch that. <laughs> Very yes. much so. Yeah. <laughs> just like we all did. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, but now it's recorded and they'll get canceled afterwards. So no, fair, <laughs> yeah. fair. <laughs> Homie, don't play that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so that's cool. I haven't seen a Jamie Fox movie in forever. You know, so that's that's kind of cool. Michelle Yeoh. That's all I really need to say, in my opinion. But. Everything Everywhere All at Once is a multiversal sci-fi adventure. Ooh, Dan's doing sci-fi again. Uh, <laughs> both, but in, in my in my mind, it's both poetic and beautiful in oh so many ways. And other notable cast performances from Keiju Kwan of Goonies fame, Jamie Lee Curtis, and the legendary James Hong kind of all add to this Oscar nominee, which is actually right now available for purchase on a number of platforms, including YouTube and Apple, due to the fact that it also had a re-release to theaters recently in the past couple months. But I definitely, you know, I can't say enough about this, but at the same time, I don't want to talk too much about it because I don't want to spoil anything. (laughs) So this movie is everywhere, and I've been, like, really meaning to watch it. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. This sounds like it's, I mean, it's it's everywhere. It looks really good. So, yeah, and Michelle Yeoh is amazing. A a weird turn for Jamie Lee Curtis, too, apparently, popped in. I've heard nothing but good things about this, and... It's on, I think it might be on Showtime because I saw it pop up on okay. Showtime as being available for if folks mm. on that. It might not still be because it was so popular, but yeah, I, I, this has been on my list. I've definitely got to check it out. I find it kind of interesting because, you know, we're recording this before the, the Oscars have been coming out and there's a lot of talk that it's right now probably the favorite to win, which I find fascinating because it's kind of not the kind of movie you would think would win a best picture award it's you know it i don't know and i think of best picture you think of like nomadland these like really dry like clearly they like said we're gonna go win an academy award with this movie and they make a movie to go win an academy award i don't think they ever planned to do that with this movie i think they just wanted to go make a, a fun interesting movie again i haven't seen it but it just sort of went out there and you know it definitely grew by word of mouth you know everyone who's seen it has told me the same thing they're like you gotta see this movie it's great yeah, I'm glad I finally you know pulled the trigger and did it. Yeah, and I hope everyone enjoys it. Yeah, the idea of you're absolutely right, Jason. Like the fact that a multi a movie based on multiversal stuff, which apparently they get right really well, from what I understand, mm. um, folks have, have talked about it. The fact that's in the be- best picture category is wild because it. I hope it wins. I, I'm, I've heard good things. I just on principle, even if I don't get to watch it, I I just want it to win because of all the. Well, I don't want Top Gun Maverick to win. That's all I want. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> Why is that there? <laughs> because it's a movie that was built to save theaters as opposed to a movie to win an Oscar. If if you take out those incredible shots of, you know, the inside the cockpit, you got nothing in that movie. <laughs> but those cockpit shots are amazing. Yeah. 
many of you out there know that I'm not just a sci-fi fan, but I definitely grew up on one specific property, and that, of course, is Star Trek. So many Star Trek movies and shows focus on the bridge crew. You know, they, they, they focus on this group of characters from captain to down to ensign, if you will, and, and all everything that happens when they're on adventures. But this is no longer the case, thanks to Star Trek Lower Decks. This is an animated series. Oh, another animated series from Dan. <laughs> focuses on the crew members that are on the Lower Decks. And it kind of is, I'd say, more of a bit of tongue-in-cheek comedy coupled with deep Trek references mixed in with a, with a bit of an adventure. There's an all-star cast here. Tawny Newsom, Jack Quaid, Jerry O'Connell, and of course, voiceover veteran Fred Tascatore. And it adds, I think, a different flavor to modern Trek that sets your phasers to fun. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this is currently available on Paramount Plus. And so if you if you are so inclined, you, you, you would check out the first three episodes. So the way you describe this show, I just have a vision of like following some like the bottom ranking person whose job it is to go like unclog the toilets. <laughs> yep. That's accurate. Picard. Oh, Picard clogged the toilet again. Let me go unclog <laughs> that for him. <laughs> I've been curious about this one. Cause one, it, it, it did sound, I, I think it's one of the few Star Trek series I might actually watch independently. And Tawny Newsome, I've listened to her podcast. Yo, is this racist? She's she's hilarious on that, even though we're they're mostly trying to pick apart racism in this country, which is awful. Yep. But she is she is very funny. I've seen her in other things. Uh, another show called Bajillion Dollar Properties, which isn't available for streaming anywhere anymore, which sucks. She was oh. great in that. She's a um, hilarious comedic actress and doesn't get enough credit. But I think she's starting to now because like she was in Space Force as as one of the pilots. Yeah, she's getting better. So I, I'm I probably will check this one out. Yeah, I got to say, this may not be the top of my list, but I am kind of intrigued by the premise, actually. So guess what? I did one. So I decided, hell, I'm going to pitch every modern Trek show because why not? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm a believer in the Vulcan philosophic principle of Kol Utshan, or more commonly known as the infinite diversity in infinite combinations in that regard. So if Lower Decks is more of an, if we're animation slash comedic fans, I feel that Star Trek Discovery is more on a, a, a modern take on all things Trek. So there's a lot of like political and social allegories that are made over the course of its four and soon to be five seasons. Obviously, I'm not expecting to watch all of that. This crew goes through war and exploration and other kind of Trek related struggles and is, is no means, I'd say, a hunky dory story all the time, basically. So I think that's probably what part of its appeal is, is that, you know, and you've got a tremendous cast of, uh, of you know, Sinequa Martin Green is is the uh, main character in this. You do, you do have Doug Jones, you know, famous from, you know, The Shape of Water and, you know, and, and a bunch of other mm. and whatnot. So you, you do have a, a great mix of people there. And I think it's, it's definitely, you know, gives you a, a, a slice of everything. But I'd say it's, Again, tinge more on the darker side of modern Trek, I'd say. Does Doug Jones play a fish man here, too? Not quite a fish man, but he is an alien, yes. <laughs> I kind of I am, like, interestingly, like, weirdly obsessed with the way he walks. It's kind of interesting, so. 
Why? How does he? Uh... It's very like it's it's not fish like, but it's like almost like fluid. Like it's very fluid how he walks, and I think he like mm. wears like super high platform sh- shoes. He's very tall as it is, but he's like wearing platforms right. on top of that, so it's like ridiculous. <laughs> okay, I'll try it. I don't. I don't know, man. I, <laughs> I guess I feel like I have to give it a shot because you took the time to to pitch it, but. maybe we're gonna need a ranking of the uh, various star trek shows like if you're gonna watch one start here if there's a last one like you know maybe we can prioritize which star trek we should watch yeah yeah yeah, i'll probably have to do that at some point because i think some people like are purists and some people like want something that's a little little bit different so i think i like to think that there's a star trek series you might enjoy if you know amongst all others but i think you know definitely lower decks is probably the the lowest is kind of like the lowest barrier of entry i think for most people because it's short it's shorter episodes and it's more you know comedic and at some point does Samiqua martin green like turn around face the camera and go you've been rotten (laughs) (laughs) she didn't say that per se but she said some pretty funny things that are pretty she has done a lot of turns in the series for sure she has done (laughs) a lot of turning so Patrick Stewart is a legend, and I don't just mean his contributions to the McFarlane-verse in American Dad and Family Guy. Jean-Luc Picard is one of the epic captains to come out of Trek, and this series, Picard, of the same name, is a swan song of sorts, not just for his character, but for many others from the Next Generation era. So the third season is currently airing on Paramount+, Plus. so I think that the, the first season has kind of an interesting portrayal of where he is at further in the future past the the, the final Trek movie that we, we saw him in. And I think it's a, a very interesting way uh, how they kind of rope him back into the life of adventure, so to speak. He, he, he's not necessarily going back into the captain's chair per se, but he does uh, things that, you know, he does have to lead a, a, lead a team of sorts to kind of confront an issue. I think you should... Order your tea, Earl Grey hot, and you should check out the first two episodes to make sure to make it so with your favorite French Capitan. So do I need to, how deep would I need to dive into other Star Trek series to be able to appreciate this? Because I like Patrick Stewart. I'm willing to to, to give him a shot and, and give Picard a, a chance because I, I like him that much. And I kind of like, you know, Next Generation back in the day a little bit. Like I'm popping it out of it. But do I need to see a lot to watch this? Yeah, so I, th- I think that this the story is self-contained enough. I think that if you know the fact that he was a Starfleet captain, I think that this is kind of the, the main knowledge you need to know. Now, there are other characters that kind of in later episodes and, and, and in seasons, basically, that do come out of his past. So, for example, like season the final season, season three, is going to be flooded with Next Generation people. Yeah, so I've seen articles like in like you know Entertainment Weekly and stuff suggesting like they bring the whole band back together. Which I'm slightly offended about. Like, if you're going to make a show and call it Picard, don't try and back-end your way into just rebooting The Next Generation, right? Yeah. Just say, hey, it's The Next Generation reboot. No, 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 no. This one's just about Picard. He's not a captain anymore. He's not, okay, yeah, he's he's got the whole band back together. We're just doing The Next Generation all over again. And I think that that's what I like about this series is that it's, not just going back to that next gen formula. It's 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 definitely it's Starfleet adjacent, I'd say, and and it's, mm. it, but it's more it's more about basically threats that maybe Starfleet isn't as well equipped to see, in in all three of these seasons. So. Mm.
the latest entry into the modern Trek realm is actually the one that's most akin to the feel of the original series. So Strange New Worlds follows the character of Captain Christopher Pike as a centerpiece during the years, or the five-year voyage probably, prior to Kirk's tenure and uh, basically during and after where the pilot of the series, the cage slash menagerie, depending upon which one you see as, as canon, existed. So Anson Mount, he, he reprises his role, which was the first originated during in Star Trek Discovery, because fans really were clamoring to see more of him and also more of Ethan Peck's portrayal of Spock. So, and many more excellent cast members join them to portray characters from the original series. Even Rebecca Romaine steps in to play the famed number one originally played by Major Barrett Roddenberry back in the day. So, and I think that it does, like I said, it's more akin to the, the original series in that it does a little more of the episode by episode adventure approach. And then mm-hmm. it kind of has these overarching storylines that are being weaved in these episodes, basically in this classic era of Starfleet and the Federation. Okay, so I'm, I'm not an expert on the Star Trek timeline. So where exactly does this fit in the like timeline of shows? If you're going in the existing timeline of shows, so Enterprise is the first one in our history because they're... Mm-hmm. And then, then this would kind of as discovery would kind of be nestled in next. And okay. after this, this is kind of nestled in between in, into discovery's kind of nature because discovery kind of goes beyond that in that initial time period. And then the classic series followed by the, mm-hmm. followed by the, the what, movies one through six, then next gen and their movies. And then Voyager takes place sometime. Duty Space Nine takes place sometime toward t- right after Next Generation and between the movies and generations specifically. And then Voyager is kind of splashed in there as well. So Billy Eichner on Billy on the Street had a segment where he dragged <laughs> Zachary Quinto around the streets of Manhattan, showing him to people and said, "It's a Spock. Do you care?" And not not everybody did. After the totally saw that segment, I forgot I saw that Star Trek pitch, but. It sounds. I'm sure it's fine. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll, I'll. I'll give it a shot. I get. I'll start with lower decks and work my way down, or up. up. Yeah. <laughs> and so those Star Trek movies, is Zachary Quinto Spunk, That's actually a different, different universe entirely. So mm-hmm. they, 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 they. So it's kind of like a different alternate telling of what happened during the at around the original series. I think I'm with you, Nyan. I think if I make it through the other shows. This might be the, I'll, I'll give this a try, but I think first I got to go hit Discovery and Picard in Lower Decks first. Yeah, it, this is beautiful though. I definitely love the, the beauty of the show for sure. I generally like watching a lot of anime, as you both well know, but some every once in a while I have to throw something in that's maybe a, a, little, a little bit more in the Pixar Disney kind of area. And one that I watched a while ago, you know, just prior to the inception of the po- of the podcast, was a Kubo and the Two Strings. Now, I believe this is currently available on. I have to double check, but it, it should be available on Netflix and or Disney Plus and whatnot. But I, I, I what I really liked about this uh, this movie is that it was uh, very heartfelt. But I think that there was enough of an adventure in the story, basically, and and I think that the concept behind it, the universe behind it, I think was also very, in, you know, unique and, and and compelling. So I, I definitely think that this is one that, you know, again, this is easily a family watch as well, you know, if you didn't want to watch it by yourself. So it's one that I definitely thought, you know, was uh, should be seen at some point. I, 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 I'm not sure if I'd put it into the classic canon of, of animation movies quite yet, but I think it's it's pretty darn close if it's not already there. I remember seeing commercials for this when it came out. 
And mm. it seemed like Disney doing Miyazaki. Is that kind of a fair assessment? That's okay. that, that. I think that's fair. Because of like the Miyazaki, random Miyazaki stuff I've seen, like Howl's Moving Castle was fun. Right. Castle in the Sky, I actually really enjoyed. So if it, it maybe, I, but I haven't seen a lot of the other stuff, like even the bigger stuff, like Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke. I haven't seen it. Just haven't gotten around to it. Well, I should have pitched those. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so this sounds like a maybe. It might be worth a, it seems like it might be a mile. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen the uh, some ads for it uh, back in the day, and I remember thinking the visuals looked really intriguing, which I always like a nice visual. Yeah. So a lot of things that you probably see on Disney Plus are are actual content or stories as it relates to the one of the myriad of properties that exist there, and Marvel is included amongst that list, but. What I sometimes like to do is I like to, see, I like to go back and see either behind the scenes or other related kinds of things as it relates to these actual larger IP properties that exist out there. And so one of these out there is called Marvel 616. So this is more kind of documentary-esque or whatnot, and it kind of goes into various different parts of what makes Marvel Marvel today. And so it does tell you a bunch of different stories and you see, you know, some obviously some clips of Stan Lee and other, and other people that were, you know, immensely part, you know, important to the company that is Marvel. But I thought that this was extremely insightful and interesting to learn about some of the stories behind the stories, if you will. And so I, I think it's and, and, and I think the episodes are, you know, there's not that many episodes. Only, I think there's only a handful of them, I think, out, out there. But I think that this this specific uh, feature was I think was very accessible. And I think it would be a lot is a lot of fun and interesting. So it's like a show when you said marvel 616 i assume this was like some other super group in the marvel canon you know it was like you know the eighth tier avengers or something like that <laughs> the great lakes <laughs> avengers which is right. a, yeah wait seriously it is, it is in uh, the comics yeah it is yeah right all right so but it, it it's not one of those it's like a documentary 616 is the is the name of earth 616 which is commonly known as what the main marvel uh, universe is mm, nice all right. Well, that's cool. I've always been a fan of, uh, you know, comics and particularly Marvel in general. So this is sort of intriguing. It'd be like neat to learn some of the, the history. And Is it focused more on the comic books or is it more on the like movies and, and that stuff today? It it's it kind of is a mixture of everything, basically. So there is a lot it is comics heavy, I would say. But then um, it, it does delve into other things. I mean, just to give you an idea. The first episode and this is ironic that, you know, you're, you're traveling there in just a moment. But you know, in a little bit. First episode is centered around Japanese Spider-Man, which is, if you've not seen Japanese Spider-Man, the show, it is amazing. (laughs) Oh my God. I I feel like I've heard of this. Now I got, now I'm going to have to check it out because if I recall, Japanese Spider-Man was insane. Yeah, there were, yeah, it was pretty, yeah, there were actually were 50, 50 episodes of that. I didn't watch all of it. I've I've seen some of it though, of the, of the, of the Japanese Spider-Man, which is (laughs) Spider-Man. I mean, between Italian Spider-Man and Indian Spider-Man, I- I'm assuming Japanese Spider-Man might be a little bit better because they didn't get to 50 episodes of that. <laughs> Facts. So for those of you who don't know this, basically, I used to do a lot of singing back in my day. I was in number stock musicals. I was in an acapella group in college. And so I did a lot of singing. But I, most of all, the only thing I pretty much do now, other than in the shower, of course, prior to the pandemic, was, of course, karaoke. In this regard, basically, I felt like I had to add 
thing to your watch list. And there's so many people that are in this that like I would never have thought would basically be in this. Like you know, the fact that you know Taron Egerton sings Elton John, but this is prior to Rocket Man was released, mind you. But you know, so it, it was pretty wild in my mind. So there's a lot of really people. Seth MacFarlane even makes is even in this as well, and he's got an incredible voice. And so I really felt like you when I watched this, it kind of put me in that karaoke mood as well. So I kind of you kind of want to sing along with a lot of the songs in, in this movie. And there is like an actual plot to it, basically. And they're, I think they're doing, a, uh, they're doing a sequel, I think, too, now. But I thought it was, you know, fun and, 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 and kind of very whimsical. Yeah, it just was fun. It was a fun movie. Nothing too big to dissect. It's just, you know, you're there, you sing along if you want. And yeah, fun. I think we touched on this in a previous episode. We we did. I have avoided this movie like the plague. <laughs> the the, the I, reason why I, I've been unable to avoid this is because the Taylor Swift cover was on like loop when, on YouTube. <laughs> so I'm like, I just, I, I kind of had to just kind of get, gave up. I'm like, listen, I, I got to watch the movie and see what other songs they have because like Taylor Swift is, is, is fine and whatnot. And, and, but I think I need to see more than just the one song over and over again. So they're just following like the glee formula of you, know, you have a story and then you just stick a really popular song in there and have a like you know a karaoke routine to it, and everyone loves it, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, but this is this is all about the character, the anime characters in this actually go out there and they're they're trying to put together a show for actual performance. So it actually there is an actual like tie into that. So so there- it's a there's always a plot, but that's it's it doesn't matter what the plot is. You know, you could like black out the rest of the movie; nobody cares. They're just going to hear the songs and to sing it. You you are not again if you if you only saw the performances in this movie that you wouldn't miss much. Yes, that's that's kind of fair. It's Glee in a zoo, and they're going to regionals. Is that essentially <laughs> what it is? That's pretty. That's pretty close. Yeah, okay. I had to say Got that's it. pretty close. And like I said to Mike Z, I will not be your singing monkey. I'm sorry. I love Elton John, but. Mila Kunis. Kate McKinnon. That is all. No, that's not all, but, you know, but I, you dumped me. A lot of SNL people go off and they do, you know, movies after SNL and some of them hit and some of them miss basically. So I felt that, that this was, you know, Kate McKinnon was in, she plays a, a quirky friend of the main character played by Mila Kunis, but I, I, I read the concept behind this was the reluctant spy. So you've seen this, Jackie Chan's done this, so many people have done this kind of thing, and they get kind of get sprung into this whole kind of, of spy world by accident, and, 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 and it's really funny how the whole movie progresses, basically. There's a lot of movies that follow a very similar formula to this. It, it is kind of formulaic in that regard, but this was a fun movie. I, I had, I think I, just, I had, you know, I had a, a glass of bourbon and I was watching this and I had a good time with it. So I'm intrigued. You're saying Kate McKinnon totally plays against type as a quirky character. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Boom. He's saying what we're all thinking folks. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt, but man, she's a lot. Yeah. It's like five theater yeah. kids in one. Like, I can't. <laughs> it's like, we taped a bunch of theater kids together to make one super theater kid. <laughs> what happens? It's, it's like the Ghostbusters reboot. I think everyone's over the top, and somehow Kate McKinnon is still, like, two levels above <laughs> everybody else. Over, like, Kristen Wiig. What's her name? Um, who I'm blanking on. Melissa McCarthy? Yes, Melissa yes. McCarthy. Actually, that was one. Of, give me my other question. Why not? Is this better than the movie Spy that Melissa McCarthy was in with Jude Law? Because mm. that was pretty good. I actually really that was enjoyed that. Good. 
That was very fun. But if you're going to rank the two, which one which one beats it? Ooh, man, I, I, I think I think I think I think Spy edges this out just a little bit for me. This is formulaic. It's just fun. You're not going to. This is not coming away with Oscar nominations or like that. You just just go in there, you know, with minimal expectations and 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 a, and a glass of something in your hand, and you'll have a decent time. I think. That's and that's what a movie should be. There, yeah. So I'm back again to pitch more anime, and surprise, surprise. Now, so much anime goes from the point of view of the hero, or as I just mentioned in in, in past pitch, just reported the reluctant hero, and. So little out there takes things from the villain or even what I call a reluctant villain's point of view. Super Crooks, available on Netflix, kind of goes this way. Because sometimes, depending upon how you come upon your superpower, it can put you... Circumstantially, you might be put into the role of a hero or the role of a villain. And, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of series out there and comics out there that deal with this idea that, you know, oh, if they, if they weren't put into this impossible situation and they wouldn't have lashed out or they wouldn't have become violent. They would have become a different person. It's like the, the nature versus nurture kind of effect. In, in this regard, basically, the person he gets his superpowers, he tries to be the hero, messes up, and then has to lead the life of a villain after the fact. And I think that, but I think this was kind of, it's it's kind of like an animation and flow that's similar to kind of Shamalai Shampoo a little bit and a, a little less Cowboy Bebop. But I think it's still a fun ride, basically, because you kind of see the flow of what this is and the characters that exist and how they embrace a kind of a, a different type of villain, being a villain approach. It sounds a little bit more thoughtful in, in terms of, I don't know, which I feel like is just an insult to anime. I'm not trying to insult anime, but it does <laughs> seem like there's more depth here. And that, that, that does seem more compelling yeah. and more, more yeah it's not, it's like not just it. about you know uh, you know booby rockets that fire out of your chest you know i mean not to denigrate booby rockets i would never denigrate booby rockets but <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah i might give it a shot back on the animation train here i'm gonna pitch one that is currently a crunchy roll i'm hoping it kind of jumps to other platforms like netflix just because i want more people to see this because crunchy roll if you're not you know, a paying premium member, you do have, you are forced to see ads and whatnot. So I'd love to see this on another platform where you can go ad list. But this is a series called The 86 or 86, basically. So what I really like about this series is that it, it's set in kind of an alternate path of humanity where a an AI program has basically gone crazy and is single-handedly waged war on humanity, which is all the surrounding countries from this one country that basically developed this technology. There's a couple handful of countries left that are still fighting, and one of them, which is where it takes place, has a bunch of people that are treated as second-class citizens, basically, because they aren't blonde-haired, blue-eyed, basically, so it's not familiar to everyone. Basically, so they they treat these people as second-class citizens, and they basically make them be their warriors for war. So their propaganda is saying, oh, look, you know, we're, we're, we we use these automated 
quote unquote fighting machines to fight this AI menace that is terrorizing our nation. And but in reality, there aren't a these aren't AI people. These are these second class citizens that are being used as actual warriors in these kind of tank like mecha weaponry. It's interesting on so many levels. It's interesting how one of the characters kind of learn more and kind of interact with these people on a more human level, and yet she's ex- constantly expressed not to do that. And it really explores how humanity is is explored, you know, and how we treat people differently, you know. I think it's very fascinating in that regard. It does sound a little bit more compelling, and I, I currently hate AI at the moment because it just keeps coming up at work, and every everything that. I read makes it sound like a terrible idea or an idea that's not ready yet. And I really want someone else to make the mistake, but I'm not in, in charge of everything. So welcome aboard AI. This, this <laughs> does sound like an interesting take though. So you may have seen that I have a tangent of, of talking about superheroes and, and lots of different pitches, but the boys on, I'm not pitching the boys, but I'm saying the boys has really brought, you know, this idea of, you know, well, what do we don't know about the, we know, because we see superheroes, they're flying around, they're doing their thing, they're saving people or whatever, but we don't always see the, their, their backstory or who they are behind closed doors. And I think that this is where Netflix's Guardians of Justice kind of steps in and says, hey, wait a minute. You know, what about this, basically? And so it's like, I wouldn't call this, you know, as tongue-in-cheek what The Boys is doing. This kind of goes into very deep, gritty. And, and the animation style kind of matches that. It's deep, it's dark, it's gritty. You see archetypes of, you know, your famous, your your, your Justice League-level people. So you have someone who looks like, who's very much like Superman, who's, and you have someone who's very much like Batman, very much like all these other different, you know, kind of characters that you see throughout the DC universe, for example. This is kind of like a parody because again, even the name Guardians of Justice is very much basically ripped, kind of, uh, kind of a, in a DC kind of realm. But it deals with them how ethics and morals and their private lives and how all that impacts not just their lives but the lives of everyone in the world and the safety of everyone in the world. In this regard, it, it brings up the question: Well, maybe not everyone is suited to have superpowers, and because it can have a negative impact on the lives of humanity in general. So yeah. it's not. Like actual, like it's not DC characters. It's like sort of like the boys. It's like an alternative universe that's right. really inspired by DC characters. Exactly. Yeah. So is it like the Flash, or you know, whatever they call the Flash here? Like accidentally eats like Superman's yogurt out of the fridge, and then like <laughs> like really pissed, and it was like, "That's my yogurt." <laughs> It actually, it, you know, it, it all kind of, you know, goes around basically one one of the Guardians of Justice actually ends up apparently getting getting murdered. And it's all about basically it all comes around this. That's the cent- central story arc. But you get all these other myriad backstories and you see a lot of, you know, questionable actions by the characters involved. That kind of sounds a little bit like Invincible, but... Yeah. Maybe also some of the somebody like the Green La- version of Green Lantern microwaves fish at work, and that also sets people off. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's yeah, but it's it's way more gritty. I mean, again, you take the grittiest parts of Invincible and then throw the shade and throw shading and shadows like into it. That's kind of like what the majority of this series is. <laughs> Okay, so I'm now going to talk about probably one of my f- more favorite modern anime. 
This is called D Gray Man, currently available on Hulu. The manga has since gone on well beyond the contents of the anime, and I really would love to see the anime kind of pick back up where it left. But I might go back and finish reading reading the manga at some point. But what I love about this is that this kind of blends uh, superpowers uh, with the metaphysical, and also ha- has the Noah as it relates to Noah, you know, as Noah's Ark, basically as part of the kind of the the lore and the universe that this is centered around and so it's very interesting to see how you know this whole series works because it it talks learning about the universe and learning about the characters kind of go hand in hand and learning more about makes these people have these superpowers something called innocence and innocence is basically like almost like a sliver of an angel so to speak in some ways or, or part of like you know god if you think of it this way god's power if you will so it's a sliver of that so once you interact with this or it becomes or in some cases it becomes part of your body, basically, it, it kind of creates this kind of coexisting nature to kind of give you the superpower that you're using. It's very it's very interesting. And I think that, you know, you learn about all the different characters and how they relate to the Noah as they're as they're known in the series. And I think there's a lot of mixture of action. There's a little bit of comedy every every now and then, basically. But a lot of it is this kind of dramatic saga like kind of feel that I really kind of take get a lot out of. I don't know if I understood a lot of the words you just said, but I, I'll i try it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I will give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, this is this is one that I've, I, I've, I've been tempted, like, at some point, if I ever was to do, like, watch parties other than Gundam, because, you know, that's what I do. That's, like, that's part of my existence, unfortunately. And not, I'm sorry, Nyan. <laughs> you, you live Gundam style. I get it. but yeah this is something that we definitely would would want to watch party for probably yeah lots of fun i think i have to watch this just so i know what the heck you were just talking about (laughs) yeah (laughs) anime check vampires check i think that this series helsing very much like the the name you would expect currently on hulu Actually, has had multiple series that have transferred this. I'm, I'm pitching specifically the TV series, the original one. And what I love about this series is that it, it, in the name itself, it's spelled Hell Sing. So it's a kind of a play on words, if you will, of Helsing, you know, Von Helsing, the original you know character that was out to basically defeat Dracula. In this series, vampires are rampant, and they basically are trying to kind of uh, figure out a way to basically take them out in such a way so it's very much that same kind of mantra that you you, you see in, in dracula and related uh, stories that use this kind of idea but it, it takes what dracula is to a different level and it adds in guns lots of guns <laughs> and i think again there, there is a little bit of comedy but the action in this in this series is really great and, and again there is like a legitimate plot line goes at, you know and how the characters get interweaved into everything in the main character you you follow is actually a, a person who is a female vampire who basically learns to um, embrace, reluctantly embrace her the, the the vampire powers that she's been given to basically help you know save the world, if you will. Vampire with guns? I might give it a shot. I'm a, I don't hate vampire movies, so or vampire fiction. So this doesn't sound like it would be too too bad. When was this made? So the OG was like way, like we're talking way back, is early aughts, basically, was when the, when the original one was made. And Helsing Ultimate, which was an, a, a kind of an alternate telling, if you will, was made a little bit later 
in that kind of closer to 2009, 2010, I believe. So yeah, this is definitely an older one. So it's definitely got a little bit of an older animation style to it, but I think it's fun. The the main character, you know, is offers a bit of fan service too. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a vampire movie, so I'm definitely it's definitely got to suck. <laughs> oh, nailed it! <laughs> uh, nailed the coffin. <laughs> I didn't read the manga for this next anime that I'm pitching, but I feel that this anime is very gripping and the animation is beautiful. I'm talking about The Promised Neverland. Promised Neverland basically kind of centers around what appears to be an orphanage. See kind of like a little bit of their day-to-day kind of slice of life of what they're going through and they, you know... And they talk about you know oh if we're, once we're old enough we can we can go out there into the into the world and join a family and you know you become hopefully a productive member of society but then you kind of learn along the way that that's not exactly what this is it's not exactly an, an orphanage it's something a little bit different and there is a dark kind of eerie element that exists to this and it kind of brings on the line down the line a little bit of horror a little bit of intrigue and even a little bit of monsters as well so again it's it's very interesting to see how these young children begin to learn more about the world and how the world is not all fun and it's not about it's not just about hard work and you know becoming a valuable member of society but there's things that are out of your control and that suck I guess this is a metaphor about my life now. I'm talking about this out loud. I hate it. <laughs> so are you are you telling us the orphans have to yes. learn that the world is not all just about having fun? The orphans. Yes. Yeah. The orphans are, are basically rapidly forced to basically become to learn to, to to learn to adults. Yes. Okay. You had me at like there are kids and monsters. That's a winning formula at all times. Yeah. Later on in the series, again, the action, the everything else kind of ramps up to a degree and it just kind of reach, reaches oh. this kind of higher pitch. I know that the, the manga continue onward after this, but I, I, I think it didn't get past the first season on the anime, I believe. But I, I'm secretly hoping that we see more of it down the line, but or I'll have to, like I said, I'll have to go back and read the manga, probably. And I'm not normally into this kind of like, you know, horror kind of stuff, but it, this kind of really was fun. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about the um, the last thing I saw with an orphanage was Black Dynamite, but that was a orphanage that with that had both whores and orphans. So this sounds different. But, I forgot about I'm, that. I'm, like, like, I'm, I'm sure. I'm curious. Psychological conflict. It goes in so many directions. Psychopaths is kind of sells itself more kind of like a crime drama, if you will. But I think it just amplifies this to a a deeper extent. So the stories cover basically people that have a deeper, higher, higher abilities than saying than than most. And a lot of them stem out of basically, you know, uh, psychokinesis and that, and that, and that kind of realm. And they kind of join together to kind of, you know, police other people who have gained, kind of superpowers to basically not disrupt society. So it's kind of like they're using in a sense like witches of sorts to kind of combat other witches that kind of exist in the, in the, in the fabric, if you will. And it's really interesting because it, it, it kind of brings into question, you know, you're using the same powers to combat the people that are 
quote unquote evil have powers they're using them for evil is that really good on an ethical moral question and but it brings into a lot of question, a lot of you know ideas behind that, and that's why I really loved about the series is that it's not only gripping out on a crime drama level, but it also makes you think about how a a futuristic, technologically based society could happen, and then also there'd be a, a, a huge difference between the haves of the wealthy and the have-nots as well on on the lower side of things, and how you know that some people might, if they get these powers somehow, they'll use this to find a way out of society because society is, is imperfect within its, within its realm there. So that does seem a little bit more man versus society driven, throwing some superpowers in there seems a little bit more compelling that, mm-hmm. um, so that might, that might be worth a shot. Yeah. I'm definitely intrigued here. This sounds interesting. Is this a newer anime or is it an old, older one? They did. It started off like a, I think a little while back. I was here in two out of 20, 14, I want to say, or so. And then they kind of made subsequent seasons and movies. And I think I've seen caught, caught up with all of them. But again, you know, it's been a while since I've rewatched that first one. But I thought the first one, I think, I think the first season, I think, was the was was the most compelling. Although the later season, season three was pretty good, I think, I, from what I remember. But season one, I think, was the most compelling. I think that plot-wise, the way the stories interweave was just was was done very well, I thought. So for those of you who, who know me, I'm not normally zombie-related properties. I'm, again, I love Pedro Pascal and everything, but I ha- I've not watched The Last of Us yet. I watched a couple of episodes of The Walking Dead, but never really got into that or any of the associated properties and one either. But and short of you know Shaun of the Dead and a handful of other one and you know and in you know Evil Dead and the related and you know the, there haven't been into that many you know zombie series, but. This is one series that I'm about to talk about, which is currently available. I believe that's on Hulu and HBO Max. It's called Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. So this is kind of like massive zombie infection in the future. You know, you know, you, there is how, outposts of humanity trying to protect themselves from the 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 Cabinary, the and it you know again that part of it is kind of quintessential formulaic to the zombie formula, right? I what I like about this is that it delves into these people that are not that somehow managed to maintain their humanity, but gain powers of the covenary. So there are these people that are bored, that are kind of in the middle that are not quite human and not quite, you know, zombie, but they're kind of considered monsters by society. But it's funny how humans will embrace the ugly if it benefits them. So if these people that are in the middle can fight the covenary and kill them and keep them away from their, from their property, from their people, then that's fine and dandy, but again, as soon as it's peaceful and there's no, and they're no longer fighting, basically they go back to treating them like garbage and they reject them as as you know potential members of society. So I, I thought that the characters in this were great, the action's great, the animation style I think was is very fluid. I think more so than some of the other series I've older series I pitched and whatnot. So I think this is a fascinating series, even for zombies. I run hot and cold on zombie stuff, so this does seem like it's on the the better side of it. There's just a t- I've never seen The Walking Dead, and I have no intention to. It's just gone on for so long that I, I just I don't see a point to it. I'm I'm a big uh, fan of zombies. I never finished The Walking Dead because that notoriously went on way, way, way too long. I only made I think the first four seasons of it, and then I was like, I can't do this anymore. But I have watched like I love zombie stuff. Um, I've got a zombie show I want to pitch to you guys. Ooh. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. This might be a good gateway anime for me because you know it's zombies i like i like zombies i think it just makes for great storytelling when you have zombies 
Well, that happened. Which brings us to the end of, well, pretty much the whole Watch OK Please podcast. Other than the other speed episodes, that is. We hope you had a good time listening to our nonsense today. And if you haven't already checked out the other speed episodes of the pod, please do so. And please don't let the end of the podcast stop you from rating and reviewing us on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or even just telling a friend about us. Regardless of whether we come back or not, we hope you keep on watching.